Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. March 13th, this is your daily financial news. Hope you've had a wonderful weekend. Hope you have a wonderful day. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about uh, consumers, retail, all of that stuff. So read a lot of stuff uh, the last couple of days and uh, here are kind of my summary for Sunday, March 13th. Uh, first and foremost, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs has a has an index that they track internally that basically highlights the financial conditions of the kind of the money market. Uh, it looks at exchange rates, equity swings, borrowing costs, consumer expectations. Uh, they obviously don't go into the detail of what makes up this internal index but they are flashing warning signs. In fact, it is the tightest this index has been since May 2009. 2009 was kind of the oh blank moment of the uh, Great Recession. We were still trying to figure out where all the pain was, where the hidden, uh, hidden or unknown or collateral pain was. It was not a good time. And to see that the index is reporting the same tightness, as Goldman says, should give you pause. Again, worldwide central banks now seem to be focused on inflation. Uh, the ECB or Europe came out and said, uh, here, you know, here's a rate increase and we are going to start shrinking our, ba- our balance sheet, even in the face of what is going on in the Ukraine. We obviously have the US Fed decision on Wednesday, more on that later. But basically Goldman Sachs is saying, expect demand destruction, expect profit margins to fall. And again, they were very clear, expect negative real growth. You gotta remember, we've been talking about nominal and real for quite a while. So again, Goldman is really helping you understand how important real growth is, and more importantly, negative real growth. Recession risks are piling up. I mean, there are so many signs right now. First and foremost, you have the yield curve, what is called the two and tens, continually flattening. Uh, Historically speaking, recessions have been caused by two things. One is commodity price spikes. Hello, oil. Hello, food. Fed tightening cycles. Typically, the Fed does too much too quick. Hello. And of course, let's not forget about war. Yeah, lots of things hurting the consumer. And again, the consumer is who I've been tracking for 30 some years. And there's more headwinds than I've ever seen. New York City. Manhattan rents. rents. Uh, remember, we were talking about San Francisco in New York for quite a while with the rents falling 20%. Well, 
Manhattan rents now are at an all-time high, and that is before Wall Street welcomes back employees to the office. Again, rents are now back to or above where they were in early 2020. Consumer sentiment was a nasty number on Friday. We've talked about it. I've dug into it a little bit more. It has been declining three months in a row. Uh, It is really important, and I've said this many times, consumer sentiment and consumer spending are not a direct correlation. In my experience, there is a delay in the feedback loop. You feel bad, and then months later, you change behavior. I don't know what it is about consumers, but that's what they've been doing for 30-some years. And it should be no surprise that that will likely happen now. So if the consumer started to feel bad 90 days ago, it's going to start to show up in retail, retail sales and GDP right about now. This next month to two will be interesting to watch. This is in the face of record job openings and $2 trillion in excess savings. I got to talk about that $2 trillion in excess savings that people think are buffering you know, the average American. Part of me wants to call just utter BS on that. I don't argue the fact that there's $2 trillion in excess savings. I think that is a number that you can audit to. What I have a problem with is when you take the $2 trillion in savings and you correlate it to the average American, right? You take $2 trillion to divide by the population. You're like, oh, wow, look at that. Everybody's got an extra 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever it is. That's not what I think happened. I think the average American is in the same or worse financial shape than they were two years ago. I think the average American probably has less in savings today than two years ago. Again, what does that mean? Well, that means Wall Street, the 1%, the 10%, whatever you want to call it, they have extra. But the average American doesn't. So when we have a gas spike of 60 cents in a week or uh, cereal and food and milk goes up 12%, the average American feels that. And most importantly, they have to take the money from somewhere because they're going to feed their kids. They are going to do this. So where is the pain going to be? Retail, travel, landlords, right? Are they going to be, are you going to be getting roommates? Are you going to down select? Are you going to have harder time collecting rents? I suspect there are a lot of syndications that bought value add deals with very unrealistic expectations that are going to get really, really hurt by what's going on. Uh, The Fed on Wednesday, I think has two choices. And I was asked this during my live stream yesterday. We had over 102 people live uh, yesterday, which was very cool. If you were a part of it, thank you very much. If not, you can count on me going live 8 a.m. on Saturday Pacific. We go for about an hour. But I see the Fed having these two choices. They come out, they raise a quarter, right? I think it's 11 or 11.30 on Wednesday Pacific. This is what they'll do. We're going to raise a quarter, and then they're going to talk a big game. We're going to be data dependent. We're ready to do more. But the Fed really wants to roll into the background. 
given what's going on. Look at the two and 10. It, the two and 10 probably gets slightly flatter, but not much. Mortgage rates don't move at all, if they do very slightly. And Wall Street, the rich, the 1%, the 10% cheer because they didn't get rug pulled or surprised. That is option one. And given the media, most people think that is what is coming. There is an option two, the one that I hope they take. They come out and they raise a half a point. Then they come out with a very strong message that says, basically, this is just the beginning. We have two jobs. We have full employment and stable prices. We are grossly failing stable prices, and we are going to fix that. If they come out with a half a point and that strong message hinting that another half could be possible if the data is if the data warrants, that will make the two and ten go flat or very close, possibly invert. Mortgage rates will be impacted nearly immediately. Wall Street will sell off because they will now realize that the Fed, the Fed put is not there. Those are the two choices. The Fed will either take care of Wall Street or they will take care of Main Street. That's how I see it. Looks like more and more people are doing the math on CPI for March, which won't actually be reported to the Friday, I think the first Thursday or Friday of April. They're now saying just given gas prices, just gas, CPI could be over 9%. And if you were with me yesterday, I did the math on CPI correcting the rent error. We were were at 11.2%. So where are we going to be if we get a reading of 9%? Interesting. Just got a question here about the Fed not raising rates on Wednesday. Uh, I think there's a 0% chance that they don't raise and also a 0% chance that they do 75 basis points. If they don't raise, um, all hell breaks loose, frankly. I think I think the market is priced in a quarter point raise. I couldn't imagine them not raising or raising three quarters. I think it has boiled down to two options. Something that you probably wouldn't have noticed unless you're looking for it, is the dollar got stronger. Yes, folks, the dollar got stronger. This king dollar, the reserve currency, fear. When there's fear in the system, the dollar gets stronger, not weaker. I do have a question for my audience. Let's say you were given $10,000 today and you had to buy one stock. One stock, had to buy it, couldn't save it, couldn't pay off debt, couldn't buy a house. You had to buy a stock. I want to hear from you. What stock would you buy? One stock. um, You know what? It could be a trade or investment. Doesn't matter. You had to buy a stock today. What would it be? Leave your comments below. I'm just curious where your minds are at. Uh, Wall Street is starting to show pain. Wall Street is starting to show pain. Again, there are some hidden pain we're going to know about at the end of March, but you're starting to see it. There is a mutual fund uh, called, where I wrote it down, one sec, Franklis Resource Bond, oh, it's called the Western Asset 
Core Plus. I don't know where they get these names. But anyways, it turns out they got a lot of Russian bonds. Uh, they lost 8%. The fund is about $37 billion. Uh, they have uh, a lot of Russian assets and are having to devalue. Uh, they've already taken a 60% haircut on those bonds, and they may have to write them to zero. They are now the worst uh, performing mutual fund in the market. And folks, it's not over. There's $200 billion sloshing around in the systems. Somebody, frankly, many someone got got. We are going to find out where the pain is very soon. I was doing some research. I don't know if you know this, but the Russian ruble, the Russian economy, the the rush this isn't the first time the Russia economy collapsed. Russia defaulted on foreign bonds in 1998. Folks, sometimes history gives you clues. So, Russia defaulted August of 1998 shortly after uh, emerging markets. And what happened is Long-term capital management, you may have heard of it. Uh, Michael Milken, I think, was a part of this uh, organization. They had $3.6 billion. They were one of the largest hedge funds of that era. They got smoked. They were on the wrong side of the trade, and the Fed had to come in and bail them out. This was the first bailout orchestrated by the Fed that I remember. And uh, basically... What we have to watch for is the butterfly effect. This is why I'm talking about $200 billion in Russian bonds. There could be leverage on those bonds. There could be people. There was an Asian trader who was on the wrong side of nickels run up, got smoked. These geopolitical events, which have caused huge shocks, are going to hurt. But it is really understanding you won't, you won't, it's like you drop a stone in the water and there's ripples for, there's so many different ripples. The pain is coming. I think we'll start to see it by the end of March. Just one example of hidden pain. I don't know if you've seen this, but apparently there are 500 planes stuck in Russia that are leased. It is probably worth saying that those lease payments are not going to be made. And it is equally important to say you're not going to go get your asset. So who is on the hook? Who has been counting on those payments? Who was counting on those assets being foreclosable? Or I don't know. How do you take back a jet? There's a word for that. Like when you go back and take a car back, what is it called? I don't know. You know what I mean. Nobody's going to go get that asset back. So who is on the hook? How many millions of dollars are somebody going to have to write off? Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff coming. So uh, the last thing to talk about the butterfly effect is when Russia collapsed, the dollar, this is 1998, so Japan was strong. The uh, dollar fell 10% against the Japanese yen in two days. Yeah. 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 So thank you for that, Jeff. It is called repo or repossessed. That's what I was trying to think of. I don't think there's anybody going to be going to Russia to repo a jet. Not not soon anyway. So at the end, folks, that was our talk Sunday. We should, we will hopefully be speaking with Todd Baldwin at nine. 
Uh, and then hopefully we'll have Dan Bird back at 10. I'm waiting for confirmation. So have a wonderful, wonderful day. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.